Good evening. It is good to be with you on this Saturday. I hope that you have had a blessed day so far and that you are continuing to find ways to be safe and uh, yet enjoy yourselves, occupy yourselves in a positive manner. I know that this time has extended beyond what we could have ever imagined, uh, but we want to hunker down and do what's right so that we can get back together as soon as possible, back together as a church and then back together as a country. So please continue uh, to wear your mask and social distance and limit access. Do what you have to do that we can be a part of the solution as opposed to the problem. Uh, Steve Lanciano's footage of our church last week just did it for me. Uh, I love that, you know, that aerial view of the trees. And, you know, I, I had no idea. I'm like, where is this place? And I'm sure some of you had the same uh, response. But when it opened up to our church, my heart just went, oh, you know, I want to be there. And so, yeah, let's do everything we can to be there. And so, uh, please continue to hunker down in, in the right way so that we can get past this. Well, I didn't come on here tonight to talk to you about COVID-19 or this quarantine state, because I'm sure that's um, very obvious to all of us. But I did want to kind of call that to your attention and remind you of that. And also, I wanted to thank Steve Lanciano for that. Uh, that was truly a blessing, and I appreciate that. So tonight, or should I say this week, we are continuing our series on the book of the 12. And tonight I'm going to bring to you Nahum. And I'm sure probably a lesser known prophet, uh, but got some good stuff in here nonetheless. Uh, at the outset, I wanna to say to you that sometime when we read some of these Old Testament prophets and we read some of the Old Testament in general, they can tend to be a disconnect. You know, we go, what does that have to do with us? You know, you know that, that was way back then. And so let me remind you that the word of God is always relevant. And that it is given to us for instruction, for guidance, and so that we can know how to govern our lives. And as Solomon so uh, aptly put it, there's nothing new under the sun. Human behavior, the things that we do, the habits that we have, they tend to repeat themselves. And so as you listen to the word, as you, as you listen to preaching and teaching, uh, please don't be so dismissive uh, and, and say, you know what, that doesn't apply to me. Like, in fact... Search your heart. Talk to God as you listen and as you read and ask God, does this apply to me? You know, uh, whatever it is that you're reading. So we want to be able to apply the word so that we can be in the right place with God, so that we can be in the right place as witnesses to him. And so I'm just encouraging you again tonight to uh, sort of force yourself to tune in, apply yourself to the word and, and, and engage the spirit of the word in your listening and then your reflection and your contemplation of it so that we can apply this awesome word to our lives and be blessed. All right, that's all I'm going to say about that. So I said to you that I'm going to bring to you uh, Nahum tonight. But before I jump into the scripture, let's pray and let's ask God to be in our midst uh, and to have his way tonight. Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Oh, God, for being our Savior, Lord, for being the one who loves us like no other. We thank you for your goodness, Lord Jesus, and your great mercy toward us, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. We worship you, Lord, and we lift up your name this night. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your awesomeness. Minister to us tonight. Open our hearts and our minds to your word. Help us, O oh God, to grow closer to you. Help us, O oh God, with those things that we're struggling with in our lives, God, that are affecting our relationship with you, our relationship with others, Lord Jesus, our witness in this community, God. Help us, O oh God, to overcome them by the power of your spirit. We worship you tonight, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. We bless your name. Praise you, Jesus. 
Hallelujah, Jesus. So I'm going to talk to you tonight uh, about Nahum. And the book of Nahum starts this way. It says, this message concerning Nineveh came as a vision to Nahum, who lived in Elkosh. And so here is Nineveh again. Desi did a great Bible study on Wednesday night, and we talked about Obadiah and, and Jonah. And obviously Jonah's, uh, the main focus of his story was this nation of, of Nineveh, who were these cruel and, and brutal people who had done uh, many atrocities to the surrounding nations uh, in their time. And, you know, Jonah had this nasty attitude and he was, you know, obviously wondering, wishing that God would just probably wipe him off the face of the earth. And, and so here we see a prophet to the same people. And this is probably, from what I can ascertain from studying, probably about 150, or at least 150 years later. Okay, so from the time period that Jonah um, interacted with the Ninevites, this is many years later. And so here God is bringing Nahum a vision about what he's going to do to Nineveh. Now, I thought it was interesting in preparing for this lesson that Nineveh, a city in Assyria, um, you may have even heard when you watch broadcast um, news coverage of the Middle East, you might have heard of the city of Mosul uh, in Iraq. So that, that would be where Nineveh was um, in, in the ancient times. And so Assyria actually has a rich history. I mean, it was founded by Nimrod. Does that name sound familiar? And uh, who was Noah's great grandson. In Genesis 10, Nimrod is described as the first heroic warrior on earth, uh, as well as the greatest hunter in the world. And so perhaps Assyria's effective warfare comes from its founder, uh, who was the, again, the greatest warrior uh, on earth. And you can go and find that in Genesis 10. And so, yeah, uh, Nimrod built this uh, country. And over time, Assyria uh, became a great power, a force to be reckoned with. And again, if you go back, Desi did a better job than I can of describing you, you know, about this country in his lesson last Wednesday. But Nineveh became a, a royal city. And so it was wealthy. I mean, uh, hanging gardens and libraries and, uh, you know, cities. And, 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 and you know, it was, a, it was a beautiful place. It was a wealthy place. It was a rich place. It was a powerful place. And I say all that to say that the Ninevites, or the Assyrians, were a force to be reckoned with. You didn't want to mess with them. And they were actually wreaking havoc uh, on, on the nations around them. And so um, God starts this vision with, with uh, Nahum. And he says to Nahum that he is a jealous God, filled with vengeance and rage. He takes vengeance on all who oppose him and continues to rage against his enemies. And verse 3 says, The Lord is slow to get angry, but his power is great, and he never lets the guilty go unpunished. You hear that slow to anger? That's the same wording that we find in Deuteronomy. That's the same wording we find in Jonah. That's the same wording we find in many of the Psalms. Um, and so this is obviously something God wants his people to know that I'm not a rash God. I'm not a, a God who just reacts without thinking. I'm not a God who doesn't have restraint. In fact, I'm slow to anger. Uh, why is that? God loves us. I, I don't know how many different ways to say that, uh, 
But God really, really loves us. He really, really understands our situation as human beings in this earth. He really, really understands our fallen state. And he really, really, really has compassion for us. And so though we are people, uh, broken and uh, cruel, just to pull back to the, the, the Assyrians and, and, and the Ninevites, and, and we, we are messed up people, but we are his beloved. We are his creation. We are who bear his spirit. I mean, I'm sorry. We who um, are who bear his image. He loves us. And so it's not his intention to break out in anger toward us. So I think it's repeated so many times in scripture, this phrase that he is slow to anger because he wants to remind us of that. I am long suffering. I'm rooting for you. I'm in, I'm on your side. So remember that. And he also adds there that he never lets the guilty go unpunished. So though I am the God of compassion, the God of mercy, I'm the God who is long-suffering in love. I'm also the God who will deal with you. And that's a consistent theme as we go through uh, Nahum's just three little chapters here, where we see God talking about um, the soft side of him, if you will, and this side of him that you don't want to mess with. All right. And so that's, that's a repeated theme there. And so this whole vision that he gives to Nahum um, is, is sort of the, these two parallels here. He's talking about the destruction that's coming, um, and, he, and he talks about, uh, I'll drop down to verse 7, for example, in chapter 1, where he says, The Lord is good and a strong refuge when trouble comes. He is close to those who trust him, but he will sweep away his enemies in an overwhelming flood. So here we go. If you are God's enemy, you're in bad shape whoever you might be. And so here he's directing his comments to the Ninevites uh, who in their day, again, they were no joke. You didn't want to mess with the Ninevites. And so, so God in effect is saying, you know, listen, Ninevite, you might be big and bad here on this earth. You know, you might be able to, to, to conquer your neighbors and crush your neighbors and you might be able to deal with people with brute force and, and the whole world might fear you, but you don't want to mess with me. You're no match for me. And so the Ninevites, in this case, you can almost liken them into, into the devil. Right? You're no match for me. This is God's thing. You're no match for me. And so people, if you want to be protected, if you want to experience my love, if you want to experience the, the power that I have on your behalf, then you need to trust me. You need to be on my side. You need to get behind me. In other words, and let me fight your battles. But if you are not on my side... Oh, you're in a bad way. You're in a bad way. So again, it's this, this contrast here. And later on in, in, in Nahum, God declares, uh, you know, he's talking sort of in general about enemies of, of, of Nineveh and Assyria. But then he goes, I'm your enemy. So they are in a bad way. Uh, verse 12 says, uh, through the Assyrian, I'm sorry, though the Assyrians have many allies, they will be destroyed and disappear. And then he's talking to his people. So he shifts. Oh, my people. I have punished you before, but I will not punish you again. Now I will break the yoke of bondage from your neck and tear off the chains of Assyrian of the I'm sorry, and tear off the chains of Assyrian oppression. So again, if you want to be protected, I don't care how big and bad your enemy is. Right? The the Assyrians in this time were like the baddest of the bad. So, but if you belong to God, God said, I, I'll break the bokes up. I'll break the yokes of even the most powerful in your life, whether that be 
human forces or spiritual forces. And so here again is this contrast. Where do you want to be uh, in, in, in this narrative with me? Do you want to be my beloved whom I protect and keep and, and, and lavish my love on? Or do you want to be my enemy whom I will crush and destroy? And it's amazing to me as I have refreshed my reading of the, the prophets and even of the Old Testament. Um, when I first came to the Lord, I don't know why, but I read the Old Testament a lot. I love the Old Testament. The stories were so rich and so, um, you know, complex and so heart-wrenching in, in times. And, and I remember really fearing God when I read about what I saw at that time as his harshness, as his um, roughness toward his people. Uh, but as I have grown and as I have read maybe with a more experienced uh, heart or ear, when I read in the Old Testament, I don't see that same God. I don't, I don't see the God who is so harsh. I see the God who is going to great lengths to save his people. I see this God of compassion. I see this God who is slow to anger. In fact, I see God literally chasing after us. Isn't that, a, that crazy image? Right, God chasing. We are running from him. God is saying, I'm offering you love. I'm offering you compassion. I, I want to I bless you. I want you to have abundance in every single way. And, and I see people running from that. And I see God almost, if, if he were a human, almost making a fool of himself. Chasing after us. But he does. Go read it for yourself. Sit down and pull out that Old Testament and pay attention to the details. He's running after us. He wants us so bad. You know, I, I can imagine, like, what are you running for? Why, why would you run from your hell? Why would you turn away from me? Especially when what's out there is destructive. What's out there is going to take you out. What's out there is trying to kill you. It, it's what, and, and, and we have this, you know, crazy way as human beings where we, um, you know, we, 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 we put things on God that don't belong to him. Talk about justice, right? Somebody's on a lesson on, on Amos. Rachel did a great lesson on Amos and, and talk about justice. How dare we unjustly accuse God of being hard and harsh and judgmental in that, in that when, when in actuality, he is this God of compassion? What role do you play in that? Do you want to be on his good side? You have the power of choice. You can choose to honor this great God. Desi pointed out in his lesson on Jonah that when the message was brought to the Assyrians, you know, not even you know, so, not even so huge. Jonah didn't come with compassion. Old turn to God. No, Jonah said, no, "You're going to die. You're going to die." And that was enough for this brutal, cruel, hard, you know, hell-raising people. To fall on their faces and repent. And God was there to accept that. We see that he didn't wipe them out. At least not yet. Because here we are. Many, many. Uh, at least a couple of hundred years later. Approximately. When God is still working with them. So yes, they repented at that time. And obviously they went back to their same ways. But yet God is still working with them. Is that not the God we serve? When you think about your own life. You think about where you have been with God. You think about how you have walked away from him. Uh you know, over the years, how you've been faithful for a season and then you repent and then you go back to God. And, and every time you come back, you find him standing right there, faithful and true. Please don't accuse my God of being cruel 
Please don't accuse him of being hard. What you're facing out there, when I say out there, meaning outside of the kingdom of God, well, that's cruel. That's hard. It's funny how we can embrace the things that can destroy us and the very things that are good for us. We don't want. So I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to pull your attention here today that, that, again, in the scriptures, when you look at God for who he really is, he's a merciful God. He's truly a merciful God. And so later on in, in Nahum, you see what chapter I am. So Caleb won't put one of those blanks on top of me and, and correct me when I'm when I'm reading here. Uh, in Nahum 1, verse 15, he says, Look, a messenger is coming over the mountains with good news. He is bringing a message of peace. Celebrate your festivals, O people of Judah, and fulfill all your vows, for your wicked enemies will never invade your land again. They will be completely uh, destroyed. So here he's passing this judgment against Nineveh, but he's also reassuring his people that you won't have to look over your backs anymore. I'm going to take care of your enemy once and for all. That there, that good news is none other than the gospel, if you will. That that good news. So, you know, God is a master weaver of scripture. He's a master weaver of how he'll give. Look at the consistency in the messages just over the few prophets that we've looked at so far. The same wording that are used. That's not by mistake. That's the same spirit being in operation there. And so this good news to us is the saving grace, is the message of the gospel, right? The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you're on his side, God says, I got you. You won't have to look over your back anymore. You know, I will preserve you. I will keep you. And so I don't think that some of those words used there were by mistake. They're the, they're the intended to, to sow a consistent thread throughout the Old Testament and the New and, and so, yeah, this good news he's bringing to his people. And you get to choose whether you're going to be the recipients of that good news or not. The Assyrians, or the Ninevites, remember Nineveh was a city in Assyria, right? They had the opportunity to receive this as good news, fall on their faces and repent and live a blessed life. Or they had the opportunity to turn away from it, just like we do. Nothing new under the sun. It's the same. And so... Do you want God to deal with your enemies? Do you want God to help you deal with the things that you're facing in your life, your challenges, you know, who you are? Do you want his spirit? To be, then you have to choose. So even to these rough, harsh, you know, brutal people, God was demonstrating compassion. How much more? How much more are we? And so eventually God promised that, uh, you know, that Nineveh would face his wrath. And in chapter 2, uh, verse 7, he says, Nineveh's exile has been decreed, and all the servant girls mourn its capture. They moan like doves, and they beat their breasts in sorrow. Nineveh is like a leaking water reservoir. The people are slipping away. Stop, stop, someone shouts, but no one even looks back. Loot the silver, plunder the gold. There's no end to Nineveh's treasures. It's vast, uncounted wealth. Soon the city is plundered, empty, and ruined. Hearts melt and knees shake, for the people stand aghast, their faces pale and trembling. Where now is that great Nineveh? God is saying, you so big and bad Nineveh, where you at when I get through with you? Right? Where is this great Nineveh now? That's how God will utterly destroy our enemies. That's how God will utterly uh, go before us and help us when we face trying situations. He goes, that den filled with young lions, it was a place where people 
like lions and their cubs walk freely and without fear. He's talking about the, the pride and the confidence of Nineveh. Nineveh thought they were, you know, uh, they couldn't be destroyed. You know, think about a lion. You don't see a lion walking around the, the, the jungle, you know, cowering and running from things. Lions know how powerful they are. They just So they, they were very well aware of how powerful they were. And God said, I brought them down. They're nothing to me. Who wouldn't want to be on God's side when you have a God that nothing is too big for? We have we serve a God of compassion. And so at uh, at the end of chapter two in verse 13, God declares to the Nineveh straight out. I am your enemy, says the Lord of heaven armies. Oh, you don't want to hear them words that God is your enemy. So you may you may make these neighboring nations, you know, run and hide and, and you might terrorize them, but you're not terrorizing me. I'm your enemy. I'm about to bring destruction to this thing. And so eventually he does. Um, he comes as a destroyer and maybe in the, probably in the form of a neighboring uh, country. You know, God has a way he'll, he'll pit uh, another country against another country. And it's already a wrap when God sets his destruction, you know, uh, when he sends destruction your way, you can't mess around. My, my whole point in this message, again, I see these parallels uh, or these contrasts, should I say, and, and God is, is saying to us, be on my side. I have you. Look what I will do to your enemies. And so we see this great God of compassion. I hope you see that uh, as, you, as you read, that this is a God of compassion. And he has been working throughout the ages to demonstrate compassion to all people. Notice here. Right. He's upset with the Ninevites for how he's treated his people, but he also wants to save them. God didn't send you a warning for no reason. Again, just go back to the story of Jonah. These weren't his chosen people, yet he called them to repentance. So this gospel is for all. Don't care what nationality you are, what background you are, you know, where you find yourself in life. This gospel is for all. And so that's the message I want to leave to you. Um, Tonight, as we look at Nahum, right? So how in the world does Nahum got to do with the gospel? It's the same message, right? If you trust God, if you obey God, then God will rescue you. He's still the God of salvation uh, that we saw uh, demonstrated in the Old Testament. He's been offering salvation since man you know, was created on this earth. Since the fall of man, he's been finding some way to offer us salvation. So I call to you today to remember him as the God of compassion. The God who is slow to anger. And give yourself to him and let him fight your battles. Let him fight your enemies. Let him show you how great he can operate in your life. Well, thank you tonight for your time. Thank you for your attention. Um, again, I call you to apply the word to your life. Sit back and ask God, what do you think about me? We tend to lie to ourselves. I hate to say that. You know, we, we all see ourselves as uh, we make excuses for ourselves. We know why we're the way we are. And so we tend to you know, give ourselves a pass. I'm asking you not, not to do that. Ask God, where am I, God? Am I being hard? Am I um, not seeing you the right way? Am I running from you? Are you chasing me and I'm not accepting? I call you tonight to trust God. Turn to him. Let him bless you. Let him be the one that protects and keeps you. Jesus, we thank you for your word tonight. 
We thank you, God, for reminding us, even through the prophets of old, Lord Jesus, of how faithful you are to us, how much you love us. We thank you for reminding us of your power and your greatness, oh God. We worship you tonight. Truly, there's none like you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, we worship you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, for your goodness, God. Thank you for protecting us and keeping us, oh God, from danger seen and unseen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for being slow to anger, Lord, for your long-suffering toward us, Lord Jesus. Help us to realize just how much you love us, oh God. Hallelujah. Hey, Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, we worship you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless your holy name. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, I thank you for your time tonight. God bless you. I look forward to seeing you soon.